This is Brother Jamal, and we are starting our broadcast this evening at Time to Love. Time to Love is normally hosted by our sister Tissa Muhammad, but tonight yours truly will be the host, primarily because we've been having all kinds of phone problems trying to connect with Sister Tissa, who's in Toronto, and our special guest this evening, Minister Anthony Muhammad, who's going to be talking about the theology of the womb. Well, tonight's program, as always, is being sponsored by a Phoenix Rising Wellness Institute, which was created as a channel to transform those seeking wholeness, wellness, and happiness within themselves. The Institute provides a place where seekers come to fulfill their mission by reawakening their knowledge of self-healing through the way of personal counseling, education, workshops, womb wellness, natural medicine, theology, holistic health uh, products, and many other sacred tools needed in order that they may heal themselves and thus go forth as healers restoring health to their families, communities, and ultimately the entire planet Earth. Well, family, for those of you that are now listening to this live broadcast, and this again is March the 23rd in year year 2006 in the year of our comedic ancestors, 6246, we want you to remember you can email your questions to Minister Anthony at interlightradio at yahoo.com Minister Anthony, I want to just bring you in for a few seconds, sir. How are you doing, brothers? As-salamu alaykum, sir. Walaykum salam, sir. Glad to have you in. You are part of a prison ministry. Can you share with us uh, briefly what your print, print, uh, prison ministry is composed of? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, let me first begin by first saying uh, in the name of a lot of the Ephesus, the merciful bear witness that there is but one God, and I bear witness to all his messengers. I'd like to greet you, sir, as well as the individuals and the family members listening in the audience with the greeting words of our ancestors of Assalamualaikum. Malaikum Salaam, sir. Yes, sir. Now, your prison ministry, what is that composed of? The prison the prison ministry is is dealing with a, a problem that has taken place. When we look at the, the dynamics of it, it's really... Um, a modern-day slavery, and we're involved in a prison reform ministry, where we're going, you know, behind, kind of like behind the enemy lines, to re-educate our brothers to uh, make them accessible and prepare them for when they come out of the prison. We want to be able to integrate them back into society as upstanding citizens. Okay, well, that's obviously an honorable 
mission that you're on. We're going to be back with family in just a few seconds as we continue our interview with Minister Anthony Muhammad. The title of today's program is The Theology of the Womb. For those of you in the listening audience, you can email questions to interlightradio at yahoo.com. Email your friends right away. We have a few spaces left in regards to our regular listenership. They can log on right now and listen to this live broadcast. This is Brother Jamal sitting in for Tissa Muhammad. I know I have big shoes to fill, but I'm going to do the best I can. This is a time to love, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, family. This is Brother Jamal sitting in for Dr. Tissa Muhammad. And as I said earlier, for those of you that are expecting Dr. Muhammad to be your hostess this evening, we had some terrible phone trouble trying to get her into the um, program this evening. So I'll be filling in, filling in those big shoes for you this evening. And I hope that all of you will be able to be patient with me as I sit in for this mighty, mighty sister tonight. The program is A Time to Love, and we're talking with Brother Anthony, Minister Anthony Muhammad. And the topic tonight is the theology of the womb. And again, for those of you in the listening audience, please, you can email your questions to interlightradio at yahoo.com, and I'll read your question right over the air. Minister Anthony, I want to welcome you back. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to try to work with your phone. We got again. I think we got all kinds of phone troubles going through cyberspace this evening. I don't know what they're doing, but as they say, when you do something positive, the devil comes out with all kinds of mischief, as they say. And, and even that mischief actually works to our advantage. So we will work with it this evening. Now, um, in terms of again, I want to explore your prison ministry a bit more before we get into the theology of the womb. Um, you know, this has been an issue that many of us in, our, in, the, in the broader community of African people have always, I think, uh, been concerned about is what it takes to really reinstitute our brothers and sisters back into the mainstream society uh, when they're coming back in from the uh, penal system. Uh, obviously, we... Uh, finding many more brothers and sisters going through the penal system. I think the percentage is tremendously high in this country. Almost, uh, I think it's well over now, 50% of those that are in the penal systems are people of African descent, even though we make up approximately 12 and a half, maybe 13% of the entire population. Uh, what is it that we first need to understand, those of us that are on the outside, 
in regards to what it's going to take to reinstitute our brothers and sisters as they come back into society from the inside? Well, well I think the main thing that we really uh, we take for granted, um, being out here, we get up in the morning, you know, we eat breakfast, we go to work. We have friends and family around us, and we and we really, when you look at it from the perspective of the prison, we, we really take our family for granted. Um, and I say that to say that, you know, in the prison, when individuals are uh, actually go in and actually take time to speak to the inmates, you know, especially inmates they might be in solitary confinement. Um, you have inmates that they're in their cells, you know, 23 hours of the, out of the day, and they're only out for one hour for the rec time, for the showers or whatnot. To go in and spend time with our brothers and sisters inside these facilities, you know, to them, that means the world to them, you know, to, to correspond with them, to write letters with them, to actually spend time and you're speaking to them face to face, you know, to them, that means a lot. And that's something that we have on the outside, but we take it for granted and we don't take time to even speak with our children. We don't take time to speak with our mother, our father, our brothers. We don't write letters to one another. We we really don't take time to take advantage to the um, the short amount of time that we have on the outside because we we really don't know how much time we have. So we, we, we really take our time for granted. You know, this is something that I'm I'm somewhat familiar with by visiting some of my own personal friends that are on the inside and um it's interesting at times, I don't know if it's myself because of my own personal activism or not, but I always seem to be isolated somehow with them. I remember once that um, I met with a friend of mine that was in a very, what I would say, a minimum, extremely minimum security, security uh, prison uh, here in California. But for whatever reasons, we were um, isolated from the um uh, i guess the main population if you will for almost an hour uh and uh we were consistently monitored i mean when i say monitored i mean uh with prison guards in the in the room that they had with us at least two that i can recall off the top of my head but my point is is that sometimes uh depending upon the state that you're in uh the county that you're in um one of the things that I'm very concerned about is the intimidation factor from those of us that do want to go in on a frequent basis and visit our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Well, in all honesty, um, you know, in regards in regards to the prison ministry, uh, that right there would have to be a very very delicate uh, situation, very difficult uh, topic to even get into because of the fact of um, information being misconstrued. Uh, words being used, uh, you know, things being actually taken out of context. So in regards to that topic, I would want to really tread very, very lightly. Okay, and you know what, I can actually appreciate that, brother, because like I said, I guess sometimes it's my own demeanor and attitudes that bring certain things, it just comes to the surface. But never... No, that's that's fine, that's fine, but uh, I mean, from the perspective of, you know, the department, there's there's a fine line, and you know I want to make sure I don't cross that line. <laughs> well, tonight's main topic again is theology of the womb, and this is an interesting topic. I've, I've talked, uh, at least we've had programs on Interlight Radio that have dealt with womb healing, uh, but theology of the womb is something that's very new to me. Can you give us um, an explanation of what it means in regards to theology of the womb? Oh, yes, sir. Now, now, that's something I would love to talk about. Um, 
really the the foundation uh, before I would even get started on this topic. You know, first and foremost, I'd have to you know give thanks and praise to the Creator for the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, his best student, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, um, for his sacrifice and for his mission. Uh, but specifically dealing with uh, the science of the anatomy and the physiology of the individual, I have to give much credit to uh, a minister by the name of Minister Ava Muhammad, uh, Mother Tanetta Muhammad, and a minister by the name of Minister Theo Muhammad. Um, in our lessons, it teaches us that we are to learn what's called our mathematical theology. And mathematical theology, when we study that, we we know by definition that mathematics is the, the the science that deals with the numbers, the combination, and the different ways in which to calculate numbers, such as geometry, algebra, things of that nature. When we take the word theology, theology means the study of the nature of God, his character, his disposition, and his personality. So when we look at mathematical theology, we're looking at the study of the nature of God through the science of mathematics. Now, when we understand that mathematics is the root of all sciences that exist, and really mathematics can be considered the first and the most basic language of the universe, then since there's a mathematical theology, you know, studying the nature of God through math, then there has to be a biological theology, the study of the nature of God through the laws of biology. The stu- we have to have a geometrical theology, the study of the nature of God through geometry. So it would only make sense that we would have a theology of the womb, which is if we look at it from the standpoint of anatomy and physiology, we could say that this is a, either a gynecological theology or um, an obstetrical theology. And what it boils down to is, as original people, we are the direct descendants from the Creator. And if we can study the Creator's uh, character through His creation, and if we can study the character's personality through creation, and if we are direct descendants of the Creator, then no matter what field of science we study, we're actually studying ourselves. And that comes from... Uh, a, a paragraph that comes from the Torchlight for America where the Minister Farrakhan teaches us that when you study math and you study science, you're really studying yourself. You're studying your nature. So when we deal with the theology of the womb, we're studying the nature of God through the science of the womb. And what we're able to do by studying the womb is that, one, in order to first understand the theology of the womb, to study the nature of God through the womb, we have to first have an appreciation for the womb, and we would also have an appreciation for the woman. And second of all, when we have an appreciation for the womb and the woman, this actually ties into some of the ancient comedic symbols that, um, that exist, which ties everything together but our understanding must be elevated and this will only happen by putting the woman in her proper place and understanding her in the proper uh, in the proper light family you're listening to a time to love with your host this evening brother Jamal sitting in for sister uh, Tissa Muhammad we're talking with brother minister Anthony Muhammad and we're talking about the theology of the womb for those of you in the listening audience, please email your questions to innerlightradio at yahoo.com. 
I can already see that our server capacity for regular listeners is about to fill probably within the next three or four minutes. So we're going to ask you that those of you that are communicating with your friends and telling them that we're on live, let them know that if they get that little funny message from our server saying that this particular radio station's capacity for listeners is full, two things you can do. Go directly to the website, interlightradio.com, and you can enter in that way. Second thing you can do is we want to acknowledge that TalkBlackLiveRadio.com is simulcasting this broadcast. And so you can also listen to us over there on www.TalkBlackLiveRadio.com. Of course, that's being hosted by Brother Dawood Muhammad, and we appreciate him picking up the this signal so we should be able to double and triple our normal capacity for listeners for this particular broadcast brothers and sisters um, I want everybody to understand uh, also please email us interlightradio at yahoo.com now brother minister um, Anthony you know you make mention of uh, how you look at the human body in terms of its mathematics as well as the uh, the feminine principle in the womb at, you, at the very end of your comments, you may mention about what uh, the comedic, our comedic ancestors have, have done in terms of outlining the body. To my understanding, that certain um, comedic temples, as well, uh, that they were actually patterned after the body and certain mathematical principles. Were you familiar with that particular phenomenon? I'm familiar with that, but actually, it goes much more deeper than that. Um, when we look at when we look at the modern day time, we actually are the inheritors of an ancient wisdom that had to be buried over many, many, many thousands of years. And, you know, part of the wisdom was buried under the sand, and we know part of the wisdom was, was hidden in symbol. When we deal with the scriptures of the Bible, you know, they ask Jesus, you know, why do you speak in parables? And he says, because there will be those that see and see not, there will be those that hear and hear not, nor they understand. So he spoke in parables so that he could communicate a spiritual message to people and there will be others also that were present that really didn't have his best interest at heart, so they were unable to pick up the message. This is stressed in the Holy Quran as well. So when we look at some of the ancient comedic symbols, some of the ancient comedic symbols and the, the comedic stories are actually illustrating biological principles that actually take place within inside, inside the body. So it's much more, I mean, there are temples that are built in the structure of the body, but there are comedic symbols that actually tie to um, processes that take place on the molecular level. Well, I'm sure that many of us are familiar with the Ankh in and of itself, because I know that through many lectures, in particular by Dr. Ben and Brother Asher Kwesi, they have illustrated clearly that the Ankh is symbolic of the woman's womb. Are there any other symbols, comedic symbols, that... Um, I guess you can familiarize us with that are reflective of certain uh, principles within the body. Um, what, the fact that you're dealing with the Ankh, um, when we deal with the circulatory system, the way the circulatory system is set up, if we were to um, take, um, in medical terminology, it's called a transverse section. Um, it would be a transverse uh, cut uh, basically cutting the head in half. So if we were cutting the head in half, re revealing an upper and a lower portion, if we follow the arterial, um, the uh, vertebral artery going up the vertebrae, 
as they come into the base of the brain, they come together and they form what's called the base of the artery. The base of the artery becomes one and branches to the right and to the left, into the right side and the left side or the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere of the cerebrum. At the at the superior uh, or the or the anterior portion of that, there's a circle called the circle of Willis. Now, when you look at the basilar artery and how it branches out to the right and to the left, and then you have a circle on top, that is actually the comedic symbol of the Ankh as it is actually found in the circulatory system in the brain. And interesting enough, inside the circle is the master gland, the pituitary gland. So there's a comedic symbol that's actually a part of the anatomy of the individual inside the brain. Can you talk about the pineal gland? Well, the pineal gland, um, it would be hard to really get into the symbol without having the illustration, but I will say this. If we look at what's called the uchat, um, which as some may know it as the, um, the Eye of um, Peru. In the Uchat, you have two symbols. You have what's called Nekbet and you have Wajet. Um, Wajet is symbolic of the, the serpent or the snake that projects from the anterior portion of the eye. And then you have Nekbet, which is symbolic of uh, the vulture. There's a connection between Nekbet and the pineal gland. And it was, it's really difficult to get into all, because the, the symbolism of the Uchat is very, very, very significant in regards to the anatomy of the individual. What it tells me is that our ancient ancestors, not only did they hide this wisdom in the symbolism, but they hid this wisdom in a place that could not be disrupted and could not be disturbed. And I believe that this wisdom is actually wrapped up right in the DNA of the genetic makeup of the original people. Because if we represent those that divide the middle passage, and our DNA represents a mathematical code that traces us back to the beginning of time itself, then in the DNA there is a language, a mathematical language that actually at the time period we're living in now, with the harmonics of the universe fluctuating and the effect that it's having on us, it's actually unlocking this wisdom that has been lying dormant in our genetic makeup. And this is why when we take time to ourselves and we're quiet, it's almost as if there's an individual in us teaching us a new wisdom that we have not heard before. You know, it's... It, 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 I'm sorry, but it's interesting that you would bring that up in in the way that you're bringing it up. Earlier this uh, afternoon, we had an interview with Sister Kyra, who is a renowned psychic in the mm -hmm. California area. Mm -hmm. And we went into the conversation about past lives and understanding that on a conscious level, many of us may not know who our past, what our past lives were, but on an unconscious level, our past lives oftentimes are dicting the current lives behavior mm -hmm. if I'm understanding you correctly are you suggesting really the same thing is that on a quote unquote DNA level going back and tracing our history back tracing our lineage back going way 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 back these mm -hmm. things that took place thousands of years ago that they are still encoded if you will within us within our being 
and at the very least we still have the capability of reaching back or should I say maybe reaching inside and activating this this type of sacred knowledge and amplifying it out and becoming really enlightened beings I'll put it like this brother Jamal if um, if we took you as an individual and we took your life and we rewound it back to when you were a sperm swimming in the darkness that sperm came from your father if we took your father now science teaches us and this is why the bible tells us in the second or no the first book of timothy chapter 6 verse 21 it says to avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions to science so really the bible is telling us that if something does not agree with science we should leave it alone the book of second thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21 tells us to prove all things so if we take your father we rewind his life back Energy is neither created nor destroyed, it just changes form. We take your father, he was a sperm swimming in darkness. He comes from your grandfather. Now, we can trace that line of energy all the way back to when, we, as the Holy Quran tells us, that God created himself out of triple darkness. So on an energy level, we have always been here. The flesh, the vessel that we travel in, the body may only be 20, 30, 40 years old. But the real essence of a person is not the flesh. It's the energy that travels in the vessel. So that energy, as original people, when we're taught that there is no birth record to our people, that's scientifically exact and precise. We can trace ourselves back to the very instant when the first God created himself. We were all there. We may not remember it, but all this information has been locked up in our DNA. In the DNA, there are things called histones. They act as locks, and there's certain information that is in our DNA that in order for it to be revealed, and this whole process also, the process of protein synthesis, of transcription and translation, this process is actually a comedic, there's a comedic story that illustrates this this uh, process that takes place on a, in a on a molecular level, this is illustrated in some of the comedic symbols and stories that are in the pyramid. It, it makes me believe that our ancestors they knew they knew not only the physiology of the human being, but they knew the spiritual part that's connected to it. But this wisdom had to lie dormant until the time period we're living in now that the level of spirituality will get us to a point where the wisdom will become unlocked and now come back into reality all over again. So through us, the ancestors come back to life. This is the resurrection. This is the renewing. Family, for those of you in the listening audience, again, we want you to email your questions to innerlightradio at yahoo.com. Well, we have a tremendous audience on right now, and I know that you must already get the gist of where we're going with this conversation tonight. And I want to hear from you. I don't want you just to sit there as idle listeners. I want you to participate. And you can participate by emailing your questions to radio at yahoo.com. We're talking with Brother Anthony, Minister Anthony Mohammed, and we're talking about the theology of the womb. Now, how does this all relate again? You, you, you know, the concept theology of the womb or theology in and of itself, for so many of us, we initially, or should I say, immediately relate theology to religion. Right. 
And it doesn't sound to me like that is where you are coming from. That what you're talking about is you're making a, a, a very clear analytical analysis based on mathematical and philosophical principles but that not necessarily have to do with religion. Well, when you understand the meaning of theology, if theology is the study of the nature of God, well, God was, was in existence before religion. Because at one time, we didn't have religion. It was just our way of life. It was the way we did things. So religion, when you break the word religion down, re means again, and religion comes from the Greek ligair, which means to tie back again. We don't have religion. We have our nature. We're taught that we were born in the nature of submission to the one God. So when you deal with the, the study of theology or the study of the nature of God, that study predates the word religion, you know, I mean, that, the word religion on that level is not really significant because the nature of God is much older than that. So we can study the, we can study the word theology but actually take it even a step further. We have to, we have to be able to deal with subject matters without the constraints of the present day educational system which we see is failing. So we have to have a new educational system. We have to have something that ties us back to our, our ancestors. You know, when there was a time period where the wisdom was much greater than it is today. The wisdom that's present right now in regards to this society is really, it's, it's on the decline. Well, we're gonna, well, well, we're gonna go, well, we're gonna go ahead and talk about that after we come back from our break. I wanna, uh, put you on hold, brother, uh, Anthony, for a minute. We're gonna take a, a brief, a musical break, and when we come back, family, we're gonna continue on with this discussion in regards to the theology of the womb. This is a time to love. I'm your host, brother Jamal, sitting in, filling in those big shoes of Sister Tissa Muhammad. We had some terrible trans, uh, transmissions from the phones, and so I'm going to be sitting in for her tonight. And when we come back, we want you to email your questions to innerlightradio at yahoo.com for Minister Anthony Muhammad. Theology of the Womb is the topic. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
right, family, we're back. This is a time to love. I'm your host, Brother Jamal, sitting in for Tissa Muhammad this evening. You're listening to Sergio Mendez in India, Irie. It's called Timeless. Give somebody your love. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I love that song right there. I'm going to play that again. We're talking with Minister Anthony Muhammad, and we're talking about the theology of the womb and again for those of you that may have been expecting to hear from Sister Tissa Muhammad this evening we had some terrible phone transmissions and so yours truly is just going to fill in those big shoes and of course tonight as always A Time to Love is being sponsored by a Phoenix Rising Wellness Institute and again it was created to channel and transform those seeking wholeness, wellness and happiness within themselves the institute provides a place where Seekers can come to fill their mission by reawakening, reawakening their knowledge of self-healing through the way of personal counseling, education, workshops, womb wellness, natural medicine, iridology, holistic health products, and many other sacred tools needed in order that they may heal themselves and thus go forth as healers, restoring health to their families, communities, and ultimately the entire planet Earth. That's what this is all about, family. We're saving the earth. Minister Tony, I want to welcome you back to A Time to Love. How are you, brother? Yes, sir. I'm doing wonderful. Okay. We really were able to clear up some of those staticky phones, so now we can just go ahead and go for it right now. Yes, sir. Let's go right into it. Okay. Now, as you as we left off before the break, we were talking about, I think, uh, how we are defining the word theology. And you did make mention of another word in here, God. And it seemed that our our comedic ancestors, at the very least, were very attuned to the duality, if you will, male, female, God, goddess. Yes. Can you speak on that? As opposed Almost. to God in the secular, goddess and God in the duality. Well, when you when you mention one, you can't really leave the other part of the duality out of it. Um, when you look at some of the ancient comedic symbols, uh, what, there are pictures when you, you've seen the pharaohs and you've seen them sitting, and to the right and to the left you see uh, the two, what's called the two tutelary goddesses of uh, Upper and Lower Egypt, uh, Nekbed and Wajed. And when you look at this principle, it helps us to realize that as men, that in order, uh, actually the, a, a better example is something that Minister Ava Muhammad had said uh, not too long ago. She says that woman is the bridge between man and God. So that being the case, in order for us to get from point A to point B, to really understand the nature of God and to find that nature within ourselves, we have to learn a higher respect and we have to learn a higher appreciation for the woman. We're taught uh, in the nation by Minister Farrakhan that, you you know, the only heaven we get while we're living is in our woman that the mystery of God is hidden in the woman. But if we don't take the time to appreciate woman, then we will never understand what the mystery is all about. And really, you know, you know when you look at mystery, mystery is my story. My story is in the woman. If her womb is symbolic of the universe itself, and we're taught that our history is written in the stars, then... You know, if the womb and the universe are congruent or the symbolic of one another, 
then not only is our history written in the stars or written in the blackness of space, but our history is written in the anatomical structure of the woman. To study woman is to study ourselves. But as men in this society, we're taught to really deal with woman from the perspective of just a physical object. And I have used the comparison many times. It would be like going out to, say, you know, uh, a fast food restaurant. You order something to eat. And then once you get, you know, when you get your food and it's in a container, you throw the food out and you eat the container that it comes in. And that's how we deal with woman. We deal with the vessel that she comes in, the flesh, but we disregard the high level of spirituality that exists inside that vessel. So we actually throw away the best part. Oh, it sounds to me like it's possible that men simply need some lessons. We need some training. Oh, we need a whole hell of a lot of lessons, brother. <laughs> the language, yes. We need training. Yes. Um, one thing Mr. Farr teaches us, he says there's no such thing as a no-good woman. Every no-good woman was made no-good by a no-good man. So as men, we have to get our act together and really learn to appreciate woman for who she is. But we also have to take the time to study so we can get into the the hidden mysteries that exist within the woman, because that's where the that's where the real deep wisdom is. You know, we can we can go get four year degrees and we can become all kinds of things. You know, as far as in education, but we will never elevate to the high spiritual levels that is actually lying dormant within us until we have a better appreciation for woman and the, where we need to start as men. We really need to clean up the image we have of woman in our own minds. You know, we will open the door for a woman and, you know, pull out a chair for her. But many times we're opening the door and pulling out the chair because we have an ulterior motive. But we have to learn to do these things from the perspective of treating that woman as if, you know, she is, and she is worth her weight in gold. We have to, we have to deal with her on a level where there's no ulterior motives. We have to do right, right by her, just for the sake, for righteousness' sake, to be pleasing in the eyes of the Creator by whatever name we call on Him. To disrespect women is to really put us in the line of uh, a, a serious chastisement, which is why society is in the state and condition that it's in. So teaches uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. It is our disrespect of woman. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in, and you know, in the West in particular. There has been a history of being uh, anti-woman, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we're talking about uh, uh, burning women at the stake. We're talking about, I mean, women having to, quote-unquote, fight for some basic rights in this country. We're mm -hmm. talking in regards to just the overall general disrespect of women that we see in today's media. Women obviously have been objectified. This turned into what I would call gyrating, pulsating sexual objects. Mm -hmm. um, the West, if you will, has really done a tremendous job to tear down the woman. But at the same time, the West has given sanction to certain ideals of, I would say, uh, sexual orientation that for all practical purposes, again, if you really, really want to look at this, even though it's, you know, one has the quote-unquote choice in the West, but the choice that you now have to make, again, can subjugate the woman. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, these, you know, the West, I would have to just go out and say, has been an enemy to women. Of course. I mean, when you look at the history of it, you know, com- comedically speaking, we have a trinity. We have Osa, Oset, and Heru, okay? O- um, Isis, Horus, and Osiris, uh, which I was, t- you know, I- I've been studying comedics for many, many years because o- I've always felt a connection even as a child. You know, we look at Osiris or Osa and Oset as the duality giving birth to Heru, which is the physical representation of the duality coming together. So you have the Ankh, which, you know, represents the, the sexual, um, the sexual function of the womb and the penis and the man. But now when you look at the cross, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They take the woman out. So you take the feminine principle out of the balance. And that's why society is imbalanced now. This is why we got movies like Brookback uh, Mountain or whatever it is. The society has taken out the woman from her rightful place. Mm-hmm. This society has to treat woman in the manner that it is because woman in her elevated state is too powerful for this society. So, you know, it's one thing to elevate yourself through uh, hard work as far as taking a path towards the creator, but another way of elevating yourself is to put down someone else. So this appears to be what has happened because woman in her elevated state is so powerful that an individual that would even try to step to a woman that is in the elevated state would be destroyed, you know, would be spared probably, you know, no mercy. So what what an individual has to do, they have to pursue a woman that really doesn't have a knowledge of herself as of yet, and then that individual boosts up his own ego because as men uh, we have very delicate egos so to boost our ego we have to put down the woman and this is why men today we really don't want no strong women in our life because we don't want to be made stronger it takes a strong a woman to make a strong man we're taught that steel sharpens steel for a man to be a man he has to have a woman in his life there's just no other way around it a real woman is not going to put up with our craziness, and that's why a lot of us, well, I won't say a lot, can't say a lot, but there are some of us who we run from, strong women. You know, again, it it makes me simply have to just go back and somewhat reflect upon how the West has evolved in terms of the choices that the West is presenting us with. Uh, As you said, you know, when you get to a point where you have, a, you know, I think a you're popularizing concepts through a movie. Uh, what was it? A Brokeback Mountain. Uh, we changed the name. We called it. We changed the name and called it Bareback Mountain. But that's a <laughs> that's all another issue. But I mean, when you get to a point where these are the choices that you're presenting the public with, and you know, uh, sanctioning the right, if you will, for those that make this choice to be now entered into what we would call sacred holy matrimony. Uh-huh. Um, it's gotten to a point now where uh, I think that the West has gone so far to the quote-unquote other side, the side of what we could call anti-life, that it may not even be able to come back. It may not even be able to come back in balance. Now, that doesn't mean that we, people of African descent, and anyone else, does not have uh, the ability to make the choice that promotes life. 
mm-hmm. you know, it promotes family. It promotes and highlights and elevates and edifies the woman. We still have this innate ability in us, and if I'm understanding you correctly, tapping into that DNA, that memory bank that goes way, way back, we are more inclined to resist the the choice, if you will, those choices that are presented and, 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 and maintain the continuum of our legacy as opposed to maybe some other groups that may unfortunately fall victim to the, to the, um, uh, I think that the minister once called it, um, technology. Right, right. Well, the thing we have to understand is, you know, for a society to portray this type of image, you know, they're doing exactly what they're designed to do. You know, the scripture says that all things work for good for those who love the Lord. And it also teaches us that, you know, we have to, uh, as we're talking our study guys, this is the time and period of what's called the manifestation of defects. So all this crazy stuff that's taken place is, is giving people an opportunity to make a choice. And basically the choice is, um, well, actually, let's go back to the Mayan civilization real quick to look at how they, they kind of looked at things. The way they would explain it is this. The universe vibrates at a certain frequency. The earth vibrates at a certain frequency. Now, the frequency of the earth vibrates at a rate that if you take a glass and you hit that glass with a certain frequency that's in harmony with its, its uh, physical structure, that frequency of sound will cause what's called resonance and it would cause that glass to shatter. So what that teaches us, and this is why mathematical theology is so important, because what it does is it allows us to, through the teachings given to us, to look at science and extract uh, lessons for living. So when you look at the fact that we live in this environment, this environment vibrates at a certain frequency. If we live in this environment and we live according to the dictates of this environment, this environment will have the same effect on us that the frequency has on the glass. It will cause us to break. Our head is not going to explode, but we will have a breakdown, meaning when we look at the environment, the way it is uh, presented currently, people are doing crazy things. People are losing their minds. They're killing their children. They're, They're killing their families and then killing themselves. They're jumping off buildings. We are doing things that appear to be insane, but this is because we are choosing to keep our mind in the environment. Jesus says you be in the world, but not of the world. So when we take our mind and we're able to bring it in harmony with the vibration of the universe, then we can be in the, in the area of the frequency, but it will have no effect on us. And this is why all this stuff is taking place today. This is the time of judgment. This is the time of the separation of the wheat from the tear. Will we choose to keep our mind in this society, or will we choose to take on a spiritual path? Whatever that path may be, we have to find a spiritual path, because if we maintain our thought process in the environment and we're living in right now, this will kill us, and it's already happening. It's a process that... You know, we can call it what or what, we can say whatever it is we're going to say, but we only have one of two choices. We either have to live in harmony with the law of the Creator, which means living in harmony with the universe, or we live in harmony with this world, which is the world that's really dictated by Satan. We have to choose, will we be on God's team or are we going to be on Satan's team? 
And if we stay in this environment, this environment will cause so much stress in our life, we will snap. And some of us are already snapping. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Again, family, in the listening audience, please email your questions to innerlightradio at yahoo.com. I'm stunned that we have not received one email considering the size of the audience that's on right now. Our server has filled capacity um, a couple of times uh, going back and forth. Um, I am just stunned that no one has had a question for our guest, Minister Anthony Muhammad. As we're talking about the theology of the womb, please do email us at innerlightradio at yahoo.com. You may mention, um, Minister uh, Anthony, in regards to uh, citing or using as a reference the Mayan calendar. Are you familiar with, I guess, the concept now that's becoming more popular in terms of defining what happens after 2012? Um, I really haven't heard too much of what takes place after 2012, but I know these next six years are going to be some very trying years for us up leading up to that point. And why is that? Because we are in the basically the valley decision right now, um, and we have but a short time in which to get our minds together so that we can make the transition. And we're actually going through the transition right now, when you deal with the Mayan civilization, they describe it as a beam that projects from the center of the galaxy or the center of the universe, and that right now our solar system, our planet, is actually traveling through it. And it's actually having an effect on everything that exists on the planet. So no one on the planet is going to be exempt uh, from the process that's taking place. Um, our genetic makeup is going through different changes because with the, the frequency of the vibrations that exist, these frequencies are unlocking information that has been dormant within our genetic makeup. So some of us are receiving this information and we're moving out on it and we're making our changes, whereas some of us are receiving information and we're not quite sure what it is that we're feeling. There's something going on inside our mind that we haven't experienced it before, but some of us may think we're crazy because we can't figure out what we're feeling. And the only thing that we're feeling is we're feeling a transition, and all it takes is someone to explain what's really taking place. Then there's another group that they just don't care to make the transition. They can probably see the changes, but they're not concerned because they want to keep enjoying life as it is right now. Okay. And we can't enjoy life the way it is right now because this this is not the way life is supposed to be lived. Let's take our first email that comes in from Brother Duwad Muhammad, who is over www.talkblackliferadio.com. We want to again acknowledge the audience that's over there listening to this simulcast broadcast of the discussion with Brother Anthony Muhammad on the Time to Love. He asks... Uh, the Mayan calendar and sun in approximately uh, the year 2006 to 2007 will be brighter. Is there any connection of that and the time that we're in right now? I haven't really uh, studied in depth, but I, if, if that's in fact what it has said, for the sun to get brighter, the physical sun has to correspond to a spiritual sun. And from my vantage point and in my opinion we have a spiritual sun in our existence right now which will get brighter and in my opinion that is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan so the sun to get brighter prior to this uh, this deadline what that would mean to me just addressing the question off the top of my head would mean that 
the knowledge that we're receiving will become so clear and so plain that there would be no way to make an excuse whether it's right or wrong. Okay. That's just that's just my, you know, off the top of my head, uh, understanding of the sun becoming brighter. It's it would be the sun is giving off more energy, but again, there's a correspondence between the physical universe and there's a spiritual counterpart. And we were taught that the sun would rise in the west, and we realized that that sun rising in the west would represent Islam rising in the west to shed light back onto the east. So the sun becoming brighter, in my opinion, means that the lessons that we're taught in Islam in general will gain more strength prior to that time period. Uh, Minister um, uh, Anthony Brother Duat continues with uh, another question. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad spoke on the 25,000 years we rewrite our history. Uh, are we entering or coming upon this time? And is it appropriate to address the quote-unquote UFO question? That's from Brother Wisdom 2C Duad Muhammad at www.talkblacklive.com. Uh, in regards to coming on that time, well, our lesson tell us that, you know, the Holy Quran and Bible will expire in the year 9080, and that was from the date of the writing in 1934. So if he's speaking in reference to the, the, the finality of this cycle of time, we still got a, we still have a whole, you know, we have a long period to go yet. Now, in regards to the UFO question, um, this is the way I would look at it. You know, if we look at the fact that our ancient ancestors were the authors of math and authors of science, and we look at the fact that, you know, the first airplane, as far as this society is concerned, you know, took off, from my understanding, in the year 1903, 1904, you know, Orville and Wilbur Wright. Now we're 103 years up from that time period, and now we're sending spacecraft to different planets in our solar system. Well, if they are able to do that within 100 years, as far as an airplane and then going into outer space, if we have been here since time immoral, you know, time began, time immoral, then the thing we have to understand is if we gave them and we taught them the math and the science that enables them to put aircraft into outer space. If we've been here for thousands and thousands and millions of years, what would be the level of our technology as original people? And if we looked at what we are capable of doing over millions of years, then really our perception of what you know people would call UFOs, we would call them baby planes, that technology is really even not that far advanced in regards to our ancient wisdom. So it, it it only seems crazy because we look at the level of civilization as it is now, we look at, you know, space shuttles, and we think that there can be nothing above and beyond that, but that's only because we don't realize our people have been here for millions and millions of years prior to ever giving this wisdom to them. So, you know, UFO is something that it would be child's play to our original ancestors. We have a question that comes in from Sister Tissa, Dr. Tissa Muhammad. She says, uh, how can we heal a woman who has been abused, raped, molested, etc.? What advice would you give her? In regards to that topic, uh, hmm, I don't know if I would even be qualified to address that. I will address it by repeating what I've heard, you know, uh, Minister Farrakhan state, and he has said that 
for a woman who has experienced that, she would have to be healed by God himself. Um, to try to give a woman advice on how to heal with that situation, I would have to humbly submit that I probably am not qualified to well, oh, answer that question. Okay, well then let me, let me follow up on that question by uh, asking in regards to, I guess, today's topic, the theology of the womb, in terms of just womb healing from that uh -huh. kind of violation, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, what, I guess, advice would you offer a woman, uh, at least on a philosophical level when we're dealing with it in the context of the theology of the womb? The only thing I could say is this. If only God can heal it, then the woman would have to really... I would. My advice would be for any woman who's experienced that, for them to focus first and foremost on a relationship with the Creator by whatever religious path they choose or whatever is comfortable with them. Um, we're taught that there's no compulsion in Islam, but I will also say that there's a saying that when all else fails, you know, Islam is right there. And I know it has worked for me in situations that I have dealt with. A woman that has experienced that would have to be healed by God. And that would have to come through a close relationship with the Creator. So the, I guess the Western approach, if you will, of psychotherapy, um, other forms of counseling, and even... Well, you know, psychotherapy is the psychos are the ones doing the therapy, you know. <laughs> I, I really, uh, you know, Western medicine, you know, Western medicine, it, it, to me, is it really it has no relevance. I mean, because... In Western medicine, you know, I, I, have, I have a better appreciation for Eastern medicine. And the reason why is that Eastern medicine is much more holistic in that, you know, when an individual has an ailment, you know, it is the understanding that if there's an imbalance in the spirit and the spirit can't be seen, then the spirit, the imbalance in the spirit manifests itself through the flesh and that a physical ailment or a physical disease has a connection to an imbalance in the spirit. So Eastern medicine takes the time to find out what the person is doing on a spiritual level, on a mental level, on an emotional level. They look at the person from every different aspect. They treat the, they treat the physical ailment through uh, herbs or through different medications that come from the earth, which actually will work in harmony with the body, an organic uh, medicine in harmony with an organic body versus a man-made chemical, which man-made substances don't, there's no harmony between a man-made substance and a, a created or creator-made body. So, you know, when we deal with psychotherapy, we're dealing with, you know, psychology that's based on wisdom that really is, is it's, it's a baby, it's a, it's baby language, it's a baby knowledge versus the ancient wisdom of our ancestors. You know, I don't, I, to me, there's no relevance. We got another email that's come in. This is from Therese. She's writing us. I believe Therese is in Arizona. She says, "Greetings. What is your understanding of the 144,000 spoken of in the Bible?" The 144,000 spoken of in the Bible. Yes. Well, when we look at Revelations, and I, I'm not going to claim to be an expert. You know, I'm satisfied being a student of. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, but the way I would the way I would address that is, you know, in Revelation it speaks of really two groups of people. There's one group 
that has the name of the beast written in their forehead and written in their hand. And it talks about that number being, you know, 666, which, you know, we've been taught, well, we can't say we've been taught because really in the church, when you say the book of Revelation, that's the one book really the preachers don't really preach from too much. Um, being raised in the church, you know, you say Re- Revelation and people, you know, get kind of spooky. But now there's another group of people in the, in the book of Revelation that uh, receive that they have the name of God. So now the question is, if there's two groups of people, one has the name of the beast and one has the name of God, we have to ask ourselves the question, what is the name of the beast and what is the name of God? Well, the name of God, we're taught, you know, and prophecy of the Bible fulfills it, it speaks of this son of man that would come from the east. And we're taught that this son of man, through the study of the Bible, there's clues that are, that are structured in the Old Testament that let us know what this man would do when he would come. You can look in the book of, uh, I believe it's uh, Job, the book of Jeremiah, I believe the book of Isaiah, and the book of Habakkuk. It said this man would come and he would have certain measurements. He would measure the earth, the hills, the mountains, the universe, and things of that nature. And it also says that this, this holy one would come from a place called Mount Paran. So we're taught in the nation of Islam that a man came from the east. It says, as lightning shines from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The Bible doesn't say that God is coming from the heaven to the earth. He's not going to float down on the cloud. He's not going to have a, a flowing white robe and a, a thunderbolt in his hand. He will come from the east, and he will come to the west. And his name was Master Farad Muhammad. So if we're taught through the prophecy of the Bible that this Son of Man is coming, and his name is Muhammad, then that would tell us that if we are to have the name of God, we should strive to carry the name of Muhammad. The name of the beast represents the names that we have currently. My birth name being Dobbins identified the plantation where my ancestors were enslaved. And, you know, if I was on the plantation and I was on the Dobbins plantation, if I went into the city to maybe pick up some items from my master, and they looked at me and they said, you know, boy, where are you from? You know, what's your name? And I said, you know, my name is Anthony Dobbins. They said, oh, you belong to the Dobbins Plantation. But now if I was sold from the Dobbins Plantation over to the Jackson Plantation, my name would be Anthony Jackson. So our last name identified the plantation which owned us. So if we still carry the name of the slave master, then really we're saying that we're still being owned. We are still under ownership. Someone else is still living in our house, so to say. We are still a possession of someone else. This is why in the nation we take on the X when we come in, because I would say I am Anthony X Dobbins. I am an ex-slave. That means I am not owned anymore. I still have the mark in my forehead, and the teachings are designed to erase that mark out of my forehead and erase that mark out of my hand so that I would be worthy to take on the name of God and hopefully be a part of that 144,000 as it's spoken of in the book of Revelations. Well, Minister Anthony, it's unfortunate, but we are just about out of time for this segment of A Time to Love. Is there anything that you'd like to leave our audience with this evening? Is there a contact number or information for you? Um, if if anyone has any further questions, um, my, my email is um, the letter B as in boy, A as in apple, uh, oh, excuse me, no, let me use my other one. Uh, Aminra2006 at yahoo.com. Um, my main message is uh, really to, 
to uh, the men that are out there that as men we have to really put down this crazy thought concept in regards to the position of the woman. We have to, you know, put the playboys and the maxims and the penthouse and put that crap down and pick up books and pick up information that would elevate the position of our woman. We have to learn to respect women, whether they're black, white, Hispanic, Chinese, Latino, or Latino, it doesn't make a difference. We have to really cleanse our mind and get this garbage out because, you know, if to disrespect women is to disrespect our daughters, is to disrespect our mothers, is to disrespect our aunts. The same books we hold today, another individual could hold that same book five years from now, and the way we would look at women in a lustful and a negative way, someone could be looking at our daughter in the same way. And if we wouldn't want someone to disrespect our daughter or even our wife in that way, why would we do and disrespect the, someone else's daughter or someone else's sister or someone else's mother? As men, we have to begin to learn how to respect women. And women really have to learn on another level to respect themselves and not allow us to be so disrespectful of them. Well, Minister Anthony Muhammad, I want to thank you for being a guest on. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it. And I really enjoyed this conversation. It's been very enlightening for me, and I'm sure many in our audience. And obviously, uh, when Sister Tissa Muhammad returns, she'll have to interview you again herself, and I'm sure it will be as enlightening. And I I pray Allah will continue to bless us all with his light of understanding. And I I thank everyone, and I dismiss myself with the greeting words of peace of Assalamualaikum. Thank you, sir, and we'll be talking again. Yes, sir, thank you. Okay, brothers and sisters, there you have it. That was Minister Anthony Muhammad, and again, he has a prison ministry, and he was talking about the theology of the womb, a very interesting topic tonight, and I'm sure that many of you were just as intrigued as I was by this particular topic. We do have some announcements that we want to share with you this evening. First of all, there's going to be the Earth Woman 101. That will be taking place on April the 22nd, 2006, in Buffalo, New York. Shala Zura's Secret Products. We now have available hair cream, body wash, sugar scrubs, beauty hydrolets, and bath salts. Dr. Africa's Holistic Health Certification. To become licensed as a naturopath, those seminars will be taking place at Huntsville, Alabama, and Los Angeles. Graduation will be for the first class in Buffalo, New York, April the 2nd, 2006. For more information about how to become certified, you need to call area code 1-888-333-4617 for more information. Dr. J.C. Williams Reiki Training, coming in June and July. They'll be offering iridology and health assessments. Global Sacred Woman's Village 3-Day Retreat with Queen of Fua. That will be taking place July the 19th through the 23rd. The Well Womanist Certification for Men and Women at Serpent Mounds Park. You can call area code 718-221-HEAL. That's 718-221-HEAL. A Time to Love is looking for underwriters and sponsors. If you'd like to have your announcements shared with our listening audience, please send us an email at atimetolove at hotmail.com. And we'll send you information on 
how to underwrite our program and you can call area code 1-888-333-4617 extension 5 if you're interested in underwriting or getting sponsorship or having your announcements read on a time to love the phone number again area code 1-888-333-4617 extension 5 next week's guest Kali Kia Kia Cole African Arts we have seen his molded leather mask and jewelry at art shows as well as in features of Essence magazines and etc the topic will be the art of the spirit that will be next week we want you all to tune in and again we thank you for listening and I want to thank Sister Tissa Muhammad for allowing Brother Jamal to sit in and fill those big shoes this evening and again this is a time to love and we'll see you next time Time to pay attention